You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Welcome back to the show, Downers. My name is Matt, and this is the Break It Down Podcast. Today, I'm going to do something just slightly a little bit different. I'm going to talk to Adam Scatula. Now, Adam is a head of A&R at Tooth & Nail, uh, and he's also he's been working at Tooth & Nail for a long time, a good friend of ours. He also plays drums, by the way, in a band called Citizens and Saints with Zach Bolin. And Zach Bolin from that band is the same guy that is producing the Matt and Toby record, which is getting mastered today, which I'm quite excited about. And so I'm heading over to the mastering studio in just a few minutes to hear the final versions uh, of our songs. But anyway, Adam is the guy whose idea it was and really pushed the whole project through for us to do the Tooth and Nail podcast. The podcast is called Labeled, and it's stories and myths and rumors and stuff that's gone around about Tooth and Nail records. So Toby... And I and Aaron Lunsford have, they've hired us. Basically, they're our client or my client as a podcast production company, which is kind of a thing that I do in addition to this and Bad Christian, where uh, they've hired us to make a podcast for them that's narrative, style, uh, edited, highly produced podcast where it goes through stories and has clips and interviews and commentary and narration, overdubs and music under it and stuff like that. So it's quite a big project and it's taken up a good amount of time and we've been working on it for six or eight months and finally figured out how the format works and what it's like and we just put out two episodes of it so far there's an episode about further seems forever changing lead singers and there's an episode about the legendary a and r guy chad johnson so i'm going to play you episode two in this i'm going to talk to adam from tooth and nail here for a few minutes and then i'm going to play you guys here uh episode two of the tooth and nail podcast which is called labeled which i'm quite proud of. So before we get into it there, I want to tell you, uh, as always, that you can make your own podcast. And if you want to do it, you need to get gear first. And where you get your gear, as you know, is Broadcast Supply Worldwide. That's BSWUSA.com. They sponsor this show. They pay for our studio. That's where I get my microphone and the equipment that I use. They have great phone support people that can help you out with technical questions. Should you use a USB mic or should you be using dynamic mics with a mixer? All that kind of stuff. Very helpful. They also supply most of the broadcast equipment for the major radio stations. Just big stuff. They've got everything and they know everything. They also have great prices. And even better than their already great prices, you can get 10% off of any podcast gear that you get if you use my promo code DOWN, which I very much appreciate the support when you guys like and use and support the sponsor. So don't go to other online retailers for uh, audio equipment and podcast gear. Go to bswusa.com and use the promo code DOWN. All right, I've got another interview later this week, I think. I'm not exactly sure what my schedule is going to be. Uh, and then I'll be on the road next week, but I'm going to have a couple inter- uh, episodes. So I won't, I won't have a, a big gap here. I'm going to try and get out at least one or two episodes uh, every single week. Thank you to everybody that is supporting me on Patreon. I appreciate it very, very much. 
It's kind of a dream come true. I'm basically a, almost a full-time podcaster now for a living, and it's pretty much working. I still have to do those pesky shows with my band, Emery. So uh, until until that fails, I'll, ha- I'll be part-time musician, part-time podcaster. But I, I am very happy for all the stuff that I get to do. And speaking of Emory, if you want to go to emorymusic.com, uh, please go buy tickets. We're doing shows uh, Missouri and Kansas and Colorado and Idaho and Washington. We'll finish here in Seattle next week. And those sh- those shows are $10. So we got $10 shows for Emory. So it's a crime not to buy one of those and show up. It's full band. Devin's going to be there. We have an all-new set list. Uh, it's really, really good stuff. So I would... Hope everybody will come see me at the Emory Show. So emorymusic.com, go see those tour dates and come on out. And anyway, here we go. Here's the episode for today. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Okay, so we're podcasting about podcasting again. I guess that's the loop that I'm in these days. Yes. (laughs) I had to confess that doing the Tooth and Nail podcast, I think I told you this on the telephone the other day, is it's like the thing that I do right now that feels absolutely the scariest and almost like the only thing that feels like real work or school or homework, kind of a thing like that. It's like I see you kind of as my boss, or there's t- <laughs> some figure of authority that, you know what I mean? Like, I'm working for somebody else to do a thing, and it's it's yeah. a little frightening to me. It feels a little bit funny. <laughs> well, I don't feel like that at all. So, <laughs> <laughs> Like, last week, uh, I didn't have the episode ready because I was on tour until coming in, like, the a day- couple yeah. of days before, and then we were making changes the day of and everything, and I just felt... So unprofessional. I was like, God, oh, I'm going to be in trouble. I'm going to get a bad grade. Something bad's going to like. It just triggers all these fears that I've always, you know, because I've always had a hard time with authority and teachers and yeah. schools and bosses and and stuff like that. But <laughs> this is a funny Dude. situation for me. What was the? Did the marriage podcast feel that way? Yes, absolutely. Even though Melanie, so uh, Melanie and I did the Stronger Marriages <laughs> podcast for another brand, which was the first podcast I developed for somebody else professionally like that yeah. where they paid me to to do it and but Melanie did most of the work there so I was doing more of the business and helping produce I was advising her but the content itself was more on her uh responsibility okay. whereas the content on this one ultimately is me and I'm the host <laughs> and doing the narration and the voiceover and putting the music in and doing those kinds of things it's just is more here that's on my shoulder so this one feels even yeah. even worse <laughs> well I feel like the guy watching like the football game in the stands mm-hmm. who says like the most obvious thing after the play, like armchair quarterback. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Just, just like, well, you should have thrown it yeah. earlier. So, well, you're. Yeah. I mean, you're at. You know, that's the thing about podcasting that I like so much is when I first started hearing them, I said, "Wait a second, there's nothing that's happening here that I can't." understand at least i'm not you know i mean there's better communicators and things like that people that know more have more to say but when you listen to a podcast that's it you just it's a person talking and maybe there's music under it's not complicated necessarily from an audio standpoint so you can listen to a podcast and have 
total a total grip for, for the most part on most shows about how it's being made. I mean, it's kind it seems kind of obvious, or at least it's obvious to me. And you're yeah. an avid podcast consumer guy, so I yeah. know that your head is in that space where you probably deeply think about how podcasts are made and what they're for and how they work, right? Yeah, totally, totally. It just is like so much. I feel like I come in when it's like 98% done mm-hmm. and mostly great and just sprinkling the last thoughts. Yeah, but, but, but you also had a lot to do with developing the show and the concept and the format in the first place. Yeah. Do you know? I mean, and in no. fact, the whole thing's your idea, right? I mean, this is your idea, <laughs> isn't it? I, I was the one that like pushed for it. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, we had that crappy podcast a while ago, so I can't like say... A tooth and nail podcast is like totally my idea. It was my idea to like spin it into this, mm-hmm. yeah, and like do like a stories thing. But it came from mostly just talking to you and Nick, yeah. And it's kind of like, well, that seems like a pretty obvious thing we should be doing. So, well, it's, it seems obvious, but it's it's I, I I'd have to say that it's really kind of crazy to me uh, how cool tooth and nail is about doing different stuff. And, you know, kind of being out there on the edge of trying to, like, not be afraid to try new things and do stuff differently. Like, the fact that you guys advertise on the Bad Christian podcast regularly to me and have been doing that for a long time shows me that you guys get it and it's not territorial. And I'm the happiest person in the world to have been a tooth and nail artist and not be a tooth and nail artist and have such a good relationship with you guys. It's like... yeah. But do you find, though, that labels are territorial or like is, is it competitive or, you know... Je- you know, is yeah. there a lot of jealousy, or or how does that how does that feel, label to label in general? Like within, or or like jealous of other labels and stuff. Yeah, like uh, you know, labels not working together, for instance. Yeah, yeah, I think they all view that as just like major competitors, and mm-hmm. I mean that's the one thing that I have like almost no relationships with in music is like other labels, which is kind of weird. It is weird. But- well, I mean, is it? I mean, I guess it's all not, businesses are that way in a fundamental way, where the other businesses are your competition. But it's a little yeah. bit weird to me in creative spaces. It seems like it should be less that way, and that's what yeah. I like about podcasting. Is it seems like, man, doesn't it? I mean, it should be that way in music too, isn't it? Like, totally. The the tide comes in, all the ships rise. Is it not that way? Totally, I think so. But it's not like we have a negative relationship with other right. labels. It's we like just don't really have one yeah. with other labels. It's a little, so, yeah. It's a little isolated there, but I mean, think about yeah. it this way. If somebody told you, if you're at, a, at your record label at tooth and nail, or I'm doing podcasts, what if somebody told you, and you don't know anything else about the future, but you know that five years from now, your uh, competitors or the other people in your space are, have grown and are 10 times more successful than they are today. That's all you know about the future. Does that make you happy or threatened? I would say that you'd yeah. have to feel like, oh, well, that's great because if th- those totally. people are there, then I'm going to be, who knows, somewhere, maybe in that same neighborhood, higher, lower, or whatever. So, but I think a lot of people would hear that as, oh, I don't want my competition or other people in my field to succeed, but that's wrong. I mean, that's got to yeah, be the wrong totally. way to look at it. And I've, and I've always felt like music in general, should, there should probably be no competition. It's like one of the few things where there shouldn't be competition in at all because yeah. you hear i feel like a lot of bands think that way too with other bands like it's kind of a bummer when somebody comes out and you know 
has a great first week or something, but yeah. it's like dude, that only helps. That you. only helps. It's a I scene. Mean, like I mean, that's what a music scene is about. That's why you want to go somewhere where there is a scene, so there's other people totally. doing stuff or whatever. But it, you know, it's totally a like miss the forest for the trees kind yeah. of thing because they see like your success is like a direct market share takeaway from me or something like that. And it just I just don't think it works that way. No, I don't think so. My experience is not that it works that way. No, no. And I mean the scene like the scene that you guys were in was like like years ago was what it was because all the bands were working really well. Yeah. It made touring huge and it made putting out records huge and so I don't know. I, I don't think I don't not have relationships with other labels because, you know, we don't like them. In fact, mm-hmm. when we've had chances to work together, it's been really easy with almost everybody. And everybody I do know at other labels, Rise and Hopeless and Epitaph and stuff are really cool. It's just, I think we're just working on different stuff all the time and don't really think to yeah. talk to each other much. So, so. What, what is your specific title at Tooth & Nail? Tell people exactly what it is that you do. Uh, I A&R, I, I am an A&R rep and I A&R all our bands on Solid State and many of them on Tooth and Nail. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then we all, we're a small staff, so I, we all kind of have odd jobs and stuff too. I run our store and I do all our vinyl production and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. and then, and you get to work remote, which is nice, but you were here in Seattle for years and years. What did you start? Did you start as an intern at Tooth and Nail? Yeah, started as an intern in 2010 under John Dunn and uh, Jeff Carver. That's right. And yeah, man, those guys were kind of looking to move to a couple other things. And I was the little fresh out of college intern just sitting there. I hadn't even finished college yet. But yeah, and they, I just kind of came on and have been here for seven years. So. Yeah, and now and now you're the head of is it, you say head of A and R? I just, guess you A and R most of the bands now. I guess yeah, totally. Yeah. I, <laughs> I I'm not a titles guy. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I guess like I am the only like full time A and R. We have mm-hmm. a couple other people on staff that do A and R and other things, but I think I'm the only one that maybe that comes as my first job title on yeah. the staff. So, Well, Tooth Nail is super cool, and, the, and I guess they've been pretty flexible over the years and always done different things, but this uh, podcast thing particularly is just super neat. So it almost feels like you're putting money into this podcast as if it were its own, you know, it feels like it's almost like I have a record deal with you guys. You know what I mean? Like we have a, yeah. an actual deal where I'm, an, again, an artist doing a thing with you guys and for you guys that we both hope is very successful. And and so yeah. far, it really has been. So that's what I'm blown away about because I didn't yeah. necessarily know how it would come across to do this. I actually had some... It sounded like a great idea when you first started talking to me about it. And I, thought, I thought that would be super fun and great to make a produced podcast. I, I didn't, A, know how much work it would actually be. It's turned out to be a lot more work, and I'm still trying to figure out how to make it less work. But it turned out to be a lot more work than I thought it would be. And then also, it's... uh. 
it's also, I had no idea if it would be popular or if it would get good numbers or if it'd be, you know, I didn't know if it'd be in that territory or not. And I wasn't worried about it at first. I just thought, well, it'll be easy to make this and it'll be good. And then once I got into making it, I started thinking, is pe- are people going to think this is silly or stupid or <laughs> fake or blowhard or, you yeah. know, all those kinds of things about it. And I am so relieved it is out now and it is doing well. And the response has just been totally, almost 100% good. I know. I know. It's funny, like, the main comment I get, I think, and a, a lot of people on staff get when they tell people they work at Tooth & Nail, is like, oh, yeah, I used to listen to mm-hmm. such and such Tooth & Nail band or whatever. And that's from, like, the 90s to the 2000s to now and stuff. Like, And so, yeah, I think the idea was mostly just let's find a way to – I plug into that and like figure out what it is that like made people connect with so many bands so well. And Mm -hmm. it's been sweet how (laughs) I think it just, a lot of bands affected a lot of people's lives and it's just cool to see like people wanting to dive back into bands that they listened to in 2003 and earlier and later. And I don't know, it's, it's not, just nostalgia stuff, but I think people really connect with like a time in their life when they were listening to certain bands and it's bigger than just like, I liked a bunch of songs or whatever. Yeah, the, so. the nostalgia phenomenon is a bizarre one because it's it's almost kind of, it's not new. I mean, there's always been nostalgia. It's a word for a reason, but there's some uptick in nostalgia that almost seems like it must be related to art technology or the way we consume things now or how fast things change it makes you want to go back more i just don't feel like in the 80s people were having a bunch of nostalgia for the 70s and so forth in the 60s you know like i don't remember the you know i just don't and i feel like it's get increasing in power like uh, of nostalgia it's weird and some some part about nostalgia is sad it makes you think oh some old dudes playing casinos earth wind and fire or something you know like there's something yeah. about nostalgia that ma- has yeah, I don't know what it is, but it's so uh, bizarre how it's centered around a certain time in everybody's life, which is basically 17 to 24, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. that's when it gets you so much, the stuff that you used to do or reminds you of and all, all that kind of stuff. It's bizarre. Yeah. And, and we haven't had wanna... indie bands. Sorry to interrupt you there, but we haven't had yeah. indie bands long enough to have reunions and breakups. Like, we're in the first generation now of 10-year yeah. anniversaries and breakups and reunions and nostalgia. Like, it's the first time this indie music scene that's been small has been old enough to actually have its own round of nostalgia. So it's kind of a, yeah. a bizarre thing altogether. Totally. The nostalgia thing makes you want to think that, like, it must, like, suck right now and we don't have anything better to talk about, so let's yeah. talk about like, Maybe how good it is to be. But, yeah. but I don't think it does. I think it's just people like remembering not just like the thing itself, but just remembering the way it made them feel Basically, and yeah. whether it's shows or movies or music stuff. It's just, it's just fun, man. I turn on like old, like less than Jake records that yeah. I was listening to in like the late nineties. And it's like just fun to sit there and listen through like hello rock view again and, and be like, man, I, I love this. That's, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what a, I'm doing with the Tooth & Nail podcast. When I go in and put the music back in, I'm like, oh, shit, this beloved album is awesome. I used it in the intro last on this episode that we'll play here. And, I, you know, I, I had to immediately go. As soon as I put it in, I just wanted to stay there and listen to it here in the studio. Yeah. And I went home and just listened to it for the next two days. I listened to that album specifically. I just thought it was so great. <laughs> I was like, golly. Yeah. And it triggered me to go back and listen to it. And the funnier thing about nostalgia is people – uh 
you know, people are nostalgic for things and say they like them regardless if the memory was actually a good one or a pleasant one or not. Just the fact that you remember and it's old, you like. So, for instance, I was talking to somebody the other day about Easter eggs, dying Easter eggs, and they they were like, I love that smell. It reminds me of dying, you know, dying Easter eggs and, you know, when I was a kid and these kind of things. I was like, yeah, but do you like the smell? It's like, no, I always thought it was a horrible smell when I was a kid. But <laughs> you, so it's such a pleasant memory to remember what you used to hate even. It's still yeah. somehow a pleasant memory. Or like if you live in a, sti- a city where it has a certain smell, like Tacoma stinks or whatever, but it reminds you of when you were, used to live there or something. It's yeah, bizarre. Yeah, dude. It's totally true. I, I used to live in a town called Greeley, Colorado that smelled like there's just a meat packing plant there that reeks and makes the whole city uh-huh. smell disgusting. And it's like, I hated living there. Yeah. It was one of my <laughs> least favorite towns I ever yeah. lived in. But yeah, I mean, I made a lot of friends there. And, and if you go back and smell it, it you just, just like, ah, oh, I love it here so much. It's a good <laughs> memories, man. Totally. You think we'll be nostalgic totally. about this time? Maybe. Or is this know. just such a lame time, and that's why we're into our previous times? <laughs> it's yeah. I wonder like what we would be nostalgic about. Just there's not like it's like totally like reboot movie central and yeah, that's what I'm saying. That, exactly everything. So I wonder like I wonder what's happening now that people would get pumped on. Yeah, you're right yeah, about that because right. we're doing all these reboots like, of movies and everything's going that way. Totally. Even shows like Stranger Things stuff and whatever is right. almost plugging right. into like nostalgia. Even though it's a new show, it's like plugging into like nostalgic ideas and stuff. So I don't know. That's a good question. I haven't thought about that. That's totally I, there's good stuff happening now. There, there'll be stuff that we'll look back on from 2017 and be pumped about. We hope. We hope. <laughs> uh, I, I hope we have better times ahead so we can look back fondly and still be in a good place and not look back and say, this is before it all really went down the drain, which is impossible <laughs> to. <laughs> yes, that is true. The uh, the comment that I've been getting, the only one that I'm getting sometimes that's not a po- super positive comment about this Tooth & Nail podcast is people saying that, oh, you're just doing this one zone of time in the 2000s or something like that. That You're not even going far far, far enough back for nostalgia like the 90s and stuff like that. And I want to let everybody know, we're totally going to do that stuff. We're just starting in the spot that we that was probably, probably the most popular time overall in tooth and nail history. And also, it's the one that we know super, super well and we're a part of. So it's yeah. the obvious place to start. So we're going to do several more episodes in this zone. And then over time, I think we'll branch out and do more stuff, you know, throw back even further to 90 stuff, kind of totally. things like that, which I think will be super exciting. But I think some people think we're just going to sit here and camp out on all the <laughs> bands that Emory used to tour with, which we'll do a plenty, a plenty of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys were in the middle of all that. So it kind of made sense to start there. Like you're saying, I think too, though, the thing where that you and I've talked about a lot with this show is like trying to not make it just nostalgic and like going through like biographies of bands, but Mm -hmm. kind of just telling a lot of stories kind of through the lens of like a record label and its bands and the people that Mm -hmm. were involved with those bands and everything. So yeah, we'll for sure do. There's so much awesome stuff that happened in the 90s and i mean the company's been around since 93 so it's over 20 years of bands and people and stuff happening and yeah it's there's like an endless amount of stories to tell Oh, absolutely even stuff that we've already done like 
like we already did a Further Seems Forever episode, but that wasn't like the definitive one time Further Seems no, Forever. No, I mean, you could do there's... 10 episodes on that band. You could focus totally. on a, a single show or an event or anything. I mean, there's so much history in there that yeah. people care about. And if you just get together, and that's the, what we do all the time on the road and stuff, we're just, you'll hang out with somebody in town. You, put, you go through Dallas, and some guys from another band come out, and you sit there, and then it doesn't take 10 minutes before you're telling old stories. They're just like, <laughs> that's, the way, that's the way, you know, families and old people do. That's all they do is tell stories yeah. anyway. Like, as soon as you get together with somebody, you go, oh, yeah, you remember when Grandpa did this or that, whatever. That's what it feels like. So it's just, yeah. there's, and they're absolutely endless. With it. Even any one band, you could if you did it right, there's an endless amount of stories that, that they have, yeah. basically. Well, and, it, and, like, being involved in music, it's kind of a weird walk of life in a lot of ways your bands are like in a van together traveling around the Mm -hmm. world and it's like dude of course crazy stuff is going to happen like not even just within the band but just stuff will happen to them when they go to freaking london or you know we're just in our in backwoods south you know just there's all kinds of hilarious stories that have happened and and interesting stories, and when you when you have a company that's been around for twenty years, it's like hundreds of people, probably thousands of people, have in some way had like something to do with that label. Yeah. So that's just a wide web of people and stories to tell. And there's band people and staff people that have gone on to do a bunch of crazy stuff. And I don't know. There's just so much. That can be done with the show, and that's what I'm mm-hmm. most excited about for sure. Let's. Uh, you have a sheet going of uh, different stories and stuff you want to cover in the future already, right? You got a big master list going. I do. I don't. I'm you don't have to pull it up or anything. But yeah. I was saying maybe yeah. what would be really cool to do is if uh, to ask the listeners out there to send us what stuff they'd love to hear the the backstory behind some event totally. that they maybe don't have clarity on or heard as a rumor or something like that. Because as, as soon as we start making that spreadsheet, it keeps getting bigger <laughs> and bigger. But I want to focus on the best stuff. So anybody out there, if you have a uh, a rumor about a tooth and nail band or a story or something you never understood or heard or wanted to know about, I bet you we can get the access to it and cover the story and make it a really good episode or mini episode. There's all, all, so much stuff I'm looking forward to, but I'd love to hear from an audience of what kind of stuff they would like to hear would be really yeah. good. Do we have a good place we could send, have them send those comments? Is there any way well, you, yeah. where you want them? We're actually trying to, for now, you can probably just email us. We mm-hmm. have our, all our contact up on the labeled website, but we're yeah, trying to get a that. tab specifically for like submitting questions and stories that you've, you think you've heard or like rumory stuff that you want to get to the bottom of or something. And man, we want all of that Yeah, because we don't know. I mean, I've been there for seven years. Like I said, the company's been going for way longer than that. So, and you've been there. What year did you guys get signed? We got signed in 2004. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there was almost over 10 years of stuff going Mm -hmm. on before that. So there's stuff that we don't know or remember. And we're, trying to kind of do a deep dive of everything from every sort of era of tooth and nail to get a bunch of stuff. So So what labeledpodcast.com is what we got, right? Isn't that it? Yeah. And you can, there's email. The email is there on how to email. Let me just make sure. Yeah, just make sure. I I should have thought of it before I got on air here. I'll make sure. We'll figure it out real quick here. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear people's thoughts, uh, you know, stuff they'd love us to cover or like, or have questions about would be super fun. Totally. And some some stuff 
is like better from like the fan perspective because mm-hmm. <laughs> they saw random stuff that we definitely have not heard of. Yeah, so. So yeah, we could get some dark stuff, some scandalous stuff if you got it. We'll filter it out if it's too crazy. But I bet we could. You know, that's another thing I wanted to say is so cool is there's a bunch of episodes coming up that have some content that is. I would have never expected y'all to allow even stuff we've already done in the first couple episodes and some coming up that you've heard that you're letting us cover. That's just that it doesn't necessarily cast people in the greatest light and it's not conservative Christian safe necessarily. And, but it's the truth and you guys are letting us do it. And I thought for sure you were going to squash a lot of our ideas and the stuff that people said and you're not. And that is just so exciting to me. I did. Yeah. I don't think it's worth ever squashing truth i mean it's it's just kind of like you can water things down to protect random pieces or people or whatever but Mm -hmm. i I just it's stuff that happened and i i don't think it's ever beneficial to i mean we're not trying to go out of our way to be controversial or no but no of course not that it's just the tendencies to clean it up or say well let's leave that out let's don't say that don't say that person did that you know, especially yeah. in Christian music and the stuff that, you know, it's always been a thing with tooth and nail and Christian stuff. There's always decisions that have to be made. Like, well, you won't get in Christian bookstores if you do this on your album or you totally. can't. Do it. There's always controversy. And so for you guys to put out this podcast is is more risque in a lot of ways than, you know, stuff that's happened musically that you've put out. So it's probably the edgiest thing tooth and nails really put out in, a, in some some regard, at least. Maybe. Yeah, we've, we've had a couple of records over the past couple of years mm-hmm. that have been a little bit more edgy or rub people a weird way. But yeah, I mean, I just think when you start rounding off the edges of stories and people like that, you just turn things into something they never were. And I don't know, it it just cheapens it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was kind of worried about that. Like somebody hires you to make a thing for them and it turns into a fluff piece just to make them look good. That that wouldn't have been good. And I think that's what most labels and stuff would do. And you guys didn't do that. And it was just... I want everybody to understand how neat and rare that is because it'd be easy to be heavy-handed and say, make more stories about how we look good and think good things that happened and, you know, just to... Yeah. That just wouldn't... It wouldn't be good. And so what we're doing here, I think really... I think that's part of why it's been successful so far and people like it. So I have to give y'all credit, all of y'all, for being willing to to just do different stuff. I know it's going to pay off for you guys. So thank thank you for doing it. Dude... I, I love it way more that way than trying to filter everything. It'd be, it'd be more work, too, to have to, like, filter everything out. So, I mean, I I love that people are just getting to hear things how they at least mostly really were. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm sure there are things we'll get wrong along the way. Or oh, yeah. Not we don't fully have dialing, fact checkers enough. We're going to try and do better fact checking as we go now that I realize that could be an issue. If you get but, something yeah. wrong about a person, that's not very nice, you know? yeah. But there'll never be, I mean, a ton of like censorship stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, we like I said, we're not trying to be controversial, but we're not trying to paint a prettier picture mm-hmm. than what happened. Yeah. So. Brandon was calling me immediately as soon as as soon as he started hearing stuff. He was calling me immediately. He said, "Do you think that'll make Chris Caraba mad? Do you think it'll make this and that?" <laughs> so, did that make me sound like a jerk? He, he's calling me all the time. <laughs> But Man. even even and he can be very neurotic about stuff, and he's been super cool too. So I'm just I'm yeah. thrilled. Totally. Yeah, he he is fully on board with this. And his interviews have been some of the best 
Steph. Yeah, I got a bunch more from him. I want to do a lot more with him because he does he does really well once he's comfortable. I mean, he he doesn't do a ton of interviews, and he he likes to be a little. He can be a little careful, but when he's when he is himself, he's just a, a wildly entertaining guy. I love hanging yeah, around him and talking I mean, to him. I mean, I would say, I mean, of course, he's been through it all from the very beginning, mm-hmm. and no one tells stories like that guy does. No, and his so, memory is so good. He just knows he remembers facts about every single thing, yeah. so well. So when he goes back and tells something, it's pretty. You you feel like it's pretty accurate coming from. Oh him, yeah. So yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, Brandon is one of the best storytellers I know. And the cool thing about Brandon is he really remembers people's stories too. So mm-hmm. even if he like misses names or something, he'll totally remember like the random drummer from some unsigned band that played in like 1998 or something and that he was a part of some crazy uh, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, the best stories come from Brandon almost every single time. Yeah. So, absolutely. Cool. Well, I'm going to air this Chad Johnson episode. This is Chad Johnson, the A&R guy who was the main A&R guy, kind of what your job is now, but during the period of time from like 2002, it was like from 2000 to 2008 or something. I don't know exactly what the years are. Again, I don't have fact checkers enough on that, but that's roughly what it was or in my memory, that's what it was. And uh, it's a it's a pretty neat episode. We'll just oh, it's not super long, so we have enough time to air it in its entirety here. I just want to give you guys a taste of what the Tooth and Nail podcast is that I've been working on with uh, Toby and Aaron Lunsford and the, the whole staff at Tooth and Nail. So I hope everybody will enjoy it that hadn't checked it out already and go subscribe to it and go to labeledpodcast.com. That is the web address, right? And do we have a specific email over there? Yep, it's just labeledpodcast.com and just go to the contact section. Yep, contact there and send us the stories and topics and things you'd like to hear us cover in the show. And uh, thank you, Adam, for believing in, in me over here and le- giving us this gig and being willing to do it. It's been terrific. Dude, thanks for doing it with us. It's All been right. awesome. Thanks for coming on to talk today. I'll talk to you soon. People used to ask me, you're the guy that started Tooth and Nail. I'm like, no, no, I know that guy, but I'm not him. I started Old Records. Remember that? And they're like, no, I never heard of that. Welcome to the Labeled Podcast, everybody, or welcome back to the Labeled Podcast, I should say. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in to our first episode a couple of weeks ago. It was about Further Seems Forever. The response has been overwhelming. The numbers and the feedback has been great. My name is Matt Carter, and I play in the band Emory along with Toby Morrell and Aaron Lunsford from As Cities Burn do this podcast with me. We also have a ton of help from the staff from Tooth & Nail Records, so this is a big thank you to everybody out there, listeners, staff, everybody. We're quite excited to bring this new episode to you this week, and it would mean the world to us if you could share this with a friend or leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And here we go. This week's episode is about A&R guy, Chad Johnson. Folks, I want to introduce you to Chad Johnson, the most legendary A&R guy in the history of Tooth & Nail Records. Now, 
Chad became an A&R guy at Tooth & Nail after starting his own record label called Take Hold Records. It started in 97, was acquired by Tooth & Nail in 2002. Now, let me name a few bands that Take Hold already had that you may be familiar with. Hopes Fall, Further Seems Forever, Under Oath, Narcissist, Ludicrous, who later became Norma Jean, 238, Stairwell, The Operation, who later became Me Without You, and a whole bunch more. And as if that list wasn't impressive enough, I'm going to give you another list now of some of the bands that Chad A&R'd or discovered after coming to Tooth & Nail. And that's As Cities Burn, Joan Zetta, Haste the Day, The Almost, The Classic Crime, Anne Berlin, Ivory Line, The Cherry, O Sleeper, Watashiwa, Dead Poetic, He Is Legend, and Beloved. Wow. So... I'm going to go ahead and recommend that you just hit the skip 30 seconds back button on your podcast app and listen to that list again because it's quite impressive. Chad was the guy that everybody was gunning to meet and new bands wanted to know and get his attention and send their demos to and hope that he would represent them or bring them to the label. And with a resume like that, you can see why. And we don't want to give Chad all the credit for that era of Tooth & Nail and all the success that those bands had. Tooth & Nail has always had a tremendously talented and gifted staff, both before and after Chad, that certainly played a big part in what happened in Tooth & Nail during this specific era. But in this episode, we are going to focus on Chad Johnson. And Chad was an A&R man. And lest you don't know what an A&R man is, we'll give you a quick primer on exactly what one of them does at a record label. A&R stands for Artist and Repertoire, which I admit does not tell you much. Think of Tom Hanks in the movie That Thing You Do. Haven't seen it? Okay. Try Don Draper. Slick, smooth-talking, rich. This is the classic version of the A&R person. A&R people are essentially talent scouts. Before the internet, this meant that their nights were spent at clubs hoping to discover the next Stevie Wonder or Motley Crue. Days of the Office consisted of listening to countless demo tapes from hopeful future Stevie Wonders and Motley Crues. Oh, and the expense accounts. The glorious showering of steak dinners and bar tabs at nightclubs was a part of the chase. Modern day A&R work is really quite different. Less time going to shows, more time trying to determine the legitimacy and impact of an artist's internet presence. The evolution of the industry has seen the expense accounts shrink, but the basic function of the job is still the same. Find the artist, sign the artist, support the artist from songwriting to recording, from album artwork selection, to marketing, to touring, to releasing the record. Cross your fingers and hope for a hit. That's A&R. Now, Chad Johnson was terrific at his job. He's built for A&R. He has the ear for talent. He loves people. Uh, people love him. And he seems to know entirely what he's doing. And luckily, being an A&R guy in a pure sense is more about people than it is business or finances or responsibility. And lucky for Chad, because in those areas, he sometimes failed miserably, as we'll talk about. But what really separates Chad from anyone else is his ability to gain someone's trust and care and love and fuse it with the spiritual and Christianity and God and take your relationship with him to a level that no other A&R guy on earth could touch. Everybody trusts him and loves him immediately. Here's Ricky from Me Without You. Chad is such a radical dude that, like, if he ever needed anything and called me up, I would go out of my way to make sure I could do it for him. And it's not just the artists and the musicians. This isn't an act that Chad uses to garner the trust of band dudes. Uh, it, in fact, it's any 
any of his coworkers or anybody that he meets in a non-professional capacity would, would feel the same way about Chad. Here's one of his coworkers, Derek Tinbush, who did distribution for Tooth & Nail back in the day. I always loved Chad. Now, Chad was maybe the one person who ever asked me if I was a Christian, but he was also like one of my best friends at the label. Like he, it, it was never, it never felt like pressure or anything. Chad even worked his old magic on Toby and Aaron just recently when they sat down to interview him and spend a day with him for this episode of the podcast. Well, it's really funny. Like we've known Chad now forever and we go to do this interview and Aaron and I are there and we're just cutting up laughing and it's so fun. He's telling old stories and stuff. And then we go to do the interview. He goes, okay, let's pray. And it gets real (laughs) serious. And he prays it. And I was like, that is Chad in a nutshell. This guy is just wild. Like he tells us, he tells us, you know, he grew up a missionary kid in the Caribbean and in South America. And then it, it immediately comes from he's a Christian and a missionary kid to he's doing drugs. Like it, like in the same sentence, it's just totally sold out to God and Christ and also struggles with everything that, that everybody else does. Like there's this uh, attraction he has to darkness and light that just wars with inside of him. Yes. So in this episode, we're going to hear a lot from Chad. Toby and Aaron sat down with him in Nashville and spent several hours with him. So we got a ton of clips to play from Chad. So pay special attention to the spiritual component on this as it seems to underpin much of Chad's motivations and the way that he sees himself and other people. So listen to him talk here. This is a clip of him. And you can just see very early on, he's very interested in concepts of light and dark that will play out over the episode. Yeah, yeah. No, I grew up a missionary kid. So I grew up living in the Caribbean and in South America. Um, And... I had given my life to Jesus after sort of my first run-in with with being on drugs and all that at about 18 or so in South America. Okay, so Aaron and Toby, could you uh, help everybody out here? You've spent time around him. Can you give us what it actually feels like to be around Chad Johnson? Well, it's pretty intense. He's like always kind of operating on that full speed level, you know, like super inspired, very excited, like making you feel like Chad signed my band you know, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was. And he just makes you feel like everything's going to be okay. Right. Your band's (laughs) going to do great. You're going to come on tooth and nail. You're going to be the next under oath. It's going to be awesome, you know? And, uh, exactly. But it's like that, like you were saying, Toby, then he can go to talking about the time that he like smuggled weed from Amsterdam. Right. But he's still excited to talk about that too. Yeah, I know. We were sitting at his house and we're just having this. I mean, you don't feel more encouraged than when you're around Chad. Like, you just feel like encouraged. Like, this guy's going to never say a bad word about you. And and he's one of those people, too, that would never say a bad word about you behind your back. And you know that. Like, I've only ever heard him talk about people positively. Like, hmm. it's, it's, it's amazing. And then he will immediately tell you how bad he is. <laughs> he will immediately talk about how bad he's been, but at the same time being encouraging. Yeah, and I think that's a really good and attractive quality that people seem to, to really respond to. But here's Chad in his own words. Uh, when I'm healthy, I'm a visionary. I'm a dreamer. I am inspiring. I love people. I'm an encourager. Um, so there's all these sweet gifts that God's given me. And when I'm unhealthy, I'm basically trying to sign everybody up to everything they shouldn't be doing.
So Chad alludes there to an unhealthy side or even a dark side. And we'll get back to that later, I promise. But as of now, in this story, we have Chad as the founder and the creator of Take Hold Records, which was really a powerful thing. It got around. uh, People knew about it because of his ear for talent and the bands and word of mouth and the underground scene that was growing in the Southeast. In a pre-internet age, people like me who were going to college in the middle of nowhere heard about Take Hold because Chad, being ahead of his time, uh, seemed to understand that you develop people and you put on shows and you kind of build a community and that feels good and people respond to it and it just grows organically. So now let's talk about how in the world did Chad and Take Hold get hooked up with Brandon and Tooth and Nail in the first place? Well, so he had a Take Hold that was born out of a record store and a venue that he had. And then he just started meeting all these bands from all over his part of the country, the South, East Coast, um, and started putting out their records. And Brandon, uh, I think, took notice, he was saying, because he had good cover art yeah, like, <laughs> for like, his bands. Yeah, yeah for, for as low budget as Take Hold was doing things, Brandon took notice because they were, they were making great cover art. The bands that Chad was signing were awesome. Now, the weird part about that is Chad really had this strange... Uh, Love hate relationship, I think, with with Tooth and Nail. He didn't he didn't like Brandon. He thought of him as the enemy, like the the Dark Lord, who the was big so, corporate guy, yeah, corporate you know? and all that stuff. But at the same time, he kind of liked it because the bands that Brandon was signing, he loved, and he wanted a relationship with Tooth and Nail because he knew that could mean some success for him and Take Gold. I was talking to Brandon, not about music, not about label stuff, but somehow. In all, I had begun through Slacker 66 ordering a lot of music and merch from Tooth and Nail. I'd call Chad Pearson all day long um, and put in orders. I, I had talked to Bill Powers. I had, and at some point, I don't even know how, but at some point, I must have communicated with Brandon. I don't know where or when that first email would have happened, but somehow I talked to him and and emailed him, and I realized that both he and I liked Star Wars, and both he and I liked Star Wars toys. Like, we developed a friendship over Star Wars action figures that I was collecting, and we basically worked out this arrangement where I would pay my bills to Tooth and Nail in Star Wars action figures. So I would, you know, I'd get, I owed Tooth and Nail money and I, I'm sure I suggested it because of course I, it's totally something I would suggest. Hey, Brandon, I'll send you the same, like I'll go buy the same value of my invoices for Tooth and Nail merch and then I'll just send you boxes of Star Wars figures. So he, you know, for some reason he's like, okay, I'll do that. So for a season, I was paying my bills. <laughs> I was bartering, yeah, I was bartering tooth and nail merchandise with Star Wars action figures. <laughs> and, and yeah, and it was working and I loved it. I, I, I was already going to Toys R Us and Walmart and Target buying up all these action figures because I was, I was addictive and into all of it. Okay, so what I what I hear there is that just being a character in itself is endearing and attractive, and you wind up creating relationships. And I'm sure Brandon at some point just is like, "This guy's interesting." So you now you're paying attention to somebody because they're quirky or different. Yeah, I mean, what you hear when Chad says that is it just makes me die laughing because he actually says, "I don't know why Brandon would do that." Now. 
Here's what's crazy. Brandon, we know Brandon, a lot of people know Brandon, is a phenomenal, very successful businessman. How in the world could some dude from Birmingham, Alabama, convince Brandon to pay his bills in action figures? <laughs> it's, it, it's only because of his charisma. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that it... The, well, he says, I don't know why Brandon did it. The reason why Brandon did it is because when you know Chad, you love him. Yeah. There's no way you can't. You just do. And so he 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 convinced Brandon Abel, owner of Tooth and Nail Records, okay, just pay me an action figure. <laughs> All right, well, I still want to know what was Take Hold doing? What, I mean, what was it, something special there? I think in total we released 30-something records, but I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head how many bands, maybe 15 bands. Um, Take Hold lasted almost three years, uh, and we were about $120,000 in credit card debt. So I studied <laughs> psychology in college, not business, which I should have done. Psychology was was the most worthless venture I ever went on for a academic purpose, you know, kind of deal. But I learned a lot about Jesus during those times, so it's all good. I don't hold anything against the college. But no, Takehold never made money, and uh, Takehold lost money consistently. My idea for a solid business plan was ten credit cards and a bank loan. So <laughs> there was a season early enough in my career where my credit history wasn't did not exist and it just was like one credit card after the next it's like they must have all been together in like a conference room and they pull up my file and they're like oh Chad Johnson he sounds like a pretty cool guy we'll give him a bunch of credit so they were like oh how much are you guys going to give him 5000 oh we'll one up at 10000 so somehow by the end i had all these credit cards that were about $10000 worth of credit and i was like man this is great i can make records and this is no problem you know like easy i can make i can pay for your record i can put an ad in HM Magazine. I can, uh, you know, print 2,000 copies. And at the end of the day, I, I just wasn't, I didn't know how to sell. I, I, even though so the... You're there, man. How much debt? How much you about $120,000. Which for a guy fresh out of college, to now maybe 120 grand is not that, I don't know, I still think it's a lot of debt now. But, but uh, at that point, it was inescapable. Like there's no way I'm getting out from under this. I, at that point, felt like I needed to, um, I needed to file for bankruptcy. And my wife, Beth, literally started praying. I, at that point, had already begun falling away from the Lord, going, going back to drugs and porn and, and all that. So Chad just told us how awful he was a businessman, like really in debt and all that. Right. But amazingly, he got all these really cool bands to I know. come on his label, <laughs> which is what got the attention of Brandon eventually, right? right. So he put out the Further Scenes Forever uh, Split EP before the Moon Is Down came yeah. out, which we talked about in the last episode. Mm-hmm. So that came out on Take Hold, and so I, I don't know if he really like kind of swooped in and undercut Tooth and Nail on that, but he definitely got to them first, uh, technically as far as putting out music goes. It, yeah, that's what I, I said this earlier, but it is so interesting to me that he has just unreal. Like if you look at like levels of salesmanship. He has some things that are just unbelievable to where, of course, bands would like him and trust him. You mm-hmm. trust him. Hey, this guy, but what he's saying is, hey, I just got 10 credit cards. I'll use it. Like, there is no business skill there, but his his salesmanship is unbelievable when he is just being himself. You mm-hmm. go, wait, 
this guy loves our band and he means it. And this guy is going to do whatever he can to help us, even if that means take out unbelievable loans and do all this stuff. So at the same time, like it's, it's once again, it's this weird duality of man, this guy's awesome and he loves me. And also he's falling to pieces, mm-hmm. <laughs> like failing miserably. All right, so we're going to hear some more of Chad's story after a quick word from our sponsors. And our sponsors today is Tooth & Nail Records, of course. All right, folks, a huge amount of people use Spotify as their main source for consuming music. And we've learned that Spotify is especially great for two things. One, discovering new bands and new music. And two, strolling down memory lane and remembering bands and songs you haven't listened to in a while. And I (laughs) do that a lot. I'm old. If you're anything like me, there's a lot of songs in your past. (laughs) So you're going to hear a lot of music in each episode of the Labeled Podcast, both new and nostalgic. If you want to hear even more, follow Tooth & Nail Records and subscribe to some of our playlists. We have the Discover It playlist for new stuff, the Collection playlist for classics, and of course, the Labeled playlist for everything from the episodes you've heard and upcoming episodes as well. All right, Aaron, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. I'm going to talk really highly about your band, As Cities Burn. Uh, Over the years, it's kind of become more and more apparent that uh, signing you guys was one of the best things Chad Johnson ever did. Not only were you guys a great band, but you influenced a ton of other bands as well. Um, both of your first albums, Son I Loved You at Your Darkest and Come Now Sleep, are now available on vinyl in the Tooth & Nail store. Several color variants are available, so go add one to your vinyl collection right now. Head over to toothandnailrecords.merchnow.com to pick one up. Okay, now back to our story. When we left off, Brandon Ebel, owner of Tooth & Nail, had offered to buy Take Hold Records from Chad, but Chad didn't want Brandon to know how much debt he's in. Meanwhile, Brandon is really starting to like Chad and be attracted to his charisma and sees the collection of talent that he has and his products and his CDs and the artwork and everything seems to be working. So from his point of view, Brandon says, man, I could probably do something with Chad. I was hiring people that had great potential in design. And so the CDs looked, were looking better over time. And, I, and Brandon was beginning to see those. So he had reached out to me on a band from Memphis called Few Left Standing, a hardcore band. And he had said, hey, we like this band. Would you consider licensing this album to us for distribution? I was like, wow. Like, all of a sudden, Brandon's my hero again, you know? Like, whoa, dude, you want, like, wow. Yeah, excuse me. Like, you are coming to me, and you want my product to sit amongst your beautiful shelves of (laughs) hundreds of MXPX and Slick Shoes and... I don't know, all kinds of other awesome albums that I loved back then. I told Bra- I responded to Brandon's email and I said, you know what, instead of licensing only Fuel Up Standing, all of my artists really could use help because we were with Lumberjack Distribution and we weren't getting paid and they weren't selling anything and it was not good. So he responds with a, Brandon's known for his classic one-liners. So he literally responds with, how much do you want for your company? And I was, <laughs> what dude, how much do you want for your company? So it went from, hey, let me license one of your bands to, 
I'll just buy your whole damn company. (laughs) With no dialogue whatsoever. The the follow-up line is, how much for your company? Which is hilarious because Chad doesn't even know what to say to that. He's thinking, uh, he's weighed down by unbelievable debt. His wife is praying, scared out of her mind that she married this guy that shouldn't know what's happening. And then Brandon just writes him back, how much do you want for your company? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's the kind of thing that happens to people that it, it seems this way, that there's a lot of stuff that happens to people that put themselves in crazy positions or especially in the spiritual world and in Christianity. It's like God will make a way or it just I, we didn't know what was going to happen. We did this thing and then all of a sudden this other thing happened. So that's that wild ride that people like Chad go on and it, it never stops. But this is just one of, those, one of those moments where you do something crazy and then it works out some other way. Yeah, I mean, it is funny. Like there is a real spirituality to Chad makes you believe like he just goes uh, i mean he makes bad decisions but he just is doing stuff like he he is making stuff happen and it starts to work out it's just crazy my wife was like just ask him to cover your debt because and i didn't really want to tell brandon who's now went from my villain to my hero that i had debt you know brandon doesn't need to know that i have one hundred twenty thousand dollars in debt at least until the day came where he asked me for all my financial information and i was like oh crap i have to send brandon evil my spreadsheets of how poorly I've managed this whole thing. And now he's going to know how, like, how desperate I really am. But I was like, what do I do? Like, I can't just not send them. And like, so it was a quandary. And I was like, man, why do I have to sit? Why does this guy need this stuff? And Brandon discovers that there's really not much to buy in take hold. There, at that point, I think the only thing that w- there really was to buy was was the trademark, and I I don't even recall. I don't even think Takehold was trademarked. I think it was really he was buying the logo and the name and the right to use the logo or the name, and then he was going to license all of the records that I had paid for. So really, those were the only two things that that brought any worth to take hold. So, and he was going to bring me on and give me a job at Tooth and Nail, which he agreed to pay me for three years as a salaried employee. So he's basically giving me a chance. He's like, hey, I'll, I will get you out of debt. You're going to have to rewrite all these contracts with a lawyer, get your bands to re-sign them. But assuming they re-sign them and that you truly do own the rights to these albums so that you can license them to me, then, um, then I will license those albums from you for about $120,000 is what it ended up being at the end of the day. So who are the take bands? Who did Chad discover and bring to Tooth & Nail? Well, uh, kind of a big deal in the long run for Tooth & Nail. Mm-hmm. Um, little band called Under Oath. <laughs> Norma Jean, who was ludicrous while they were on Take Hold. Yeah. 
it's just really unbelievable. Um, yeah, so the bands that I that came with me, because basically all the bands on Take Hold had the option to go to Tooth and Nail. They weren't forced into it, and I didn't want anybody to feel forced. So the bands that came with me were Under Oath, 238, Few Left Standing, and then The Operation slash Me Without You, but they were kind of more, it was like a, like, hey, we're both heading, heading to the same place at the same time. Um, and then the bands that didn't go with me were Hope's Fall, that signed to Trust Kill, Stairwell signed to Hopeless Records, um, and then I think a few bands had either broken up or just kind of went their own way that did not end up doing anything else. Um, further seemed forever, Stretch, I no, maybe that was Roy. Okay, so now we have Chad on guaranteed salary for three years, and clearly Brandon sees him as the future both talented and capable, although you wouldn't know it hearing Chad humbly talk about himself, as you'll hear in a second as he explains this. But now he's got his roster of bands at Tooth and & Nail, and he's interfacing with an existing label that already has bands and A&R guys and a whole system going. But with Chad's level of personal involvement and care for others that Brandon clearly recognized and had invested in, Chad goes from being the new A&R guy with a few bands to pretty much A&Ring every band on tooth and nail in just a matter of months. And this is all based on his charisma and level of engagement with people. Basically, in a, in a span of about six months to a year, the main thrust of A&R guys who were Greg, Bill Powers, and Roy Culver all ended up not being there. So then it was like most, not all, but most of their bands, I ended up inheriting, largely because I had had some level of relationship with them. So it's like, oh, well, Chad, it's not because Chad's good at what he does. It's because Chad knows you and you know Chad. All right, hey, Chad will be your A&R guy. It, there was nothing like, hey, Chad's awesome. This dude's really showing great potential. If anything, it was probably just how, how do we help keep Chad busy? Okay, so at this point, you can see that Chad has basically the complete trust of all the artists on Tooth and & Nail and has the business running at a very, very high level where the bands respect and trust the label for taking care of them with such a great guy like Chad. But this isn't just business to Chad. He takes it to another level and further invests into these young men's personal lives as a mentor and a guide and a spiritual leader, even becoming vulnerable with them to the point that it could threaten his own personal success. Yeah, he's the perfect person. If you're in a band, you don't want to really talk about the money and all that stuff. You want just to know that the label cares about you more than, hey, they're going to give you $1,000 to do this or $10,000 to do that. Like, you just want to know that the label really is interested in your band and thinks your yeah. band is awesome. Chad is the guy for that. Chad was actually my A&R guy. Uh, he signed at Cities Burn. So he took great interest in our personal lives. Our band broke up while we were on Tooth & Nail, and he like came to Cornerstone to try to uh, keep us together. But he didn't come at it from a way of, uh, we didn't feel like we were being manipulated. He was like, look, I just really believe in you guys, and I think God is using you and all, you know, all this stuff. So he was really good mm -hmm. at connecting with people on that level. And then eventually to the point where he started um, – 
wanting to cultivate these like retreats and like kind of Bible studies and went from just being not just being your advocate at the label for when you needed tour support when your band broke down, but to like, hey, let me make sure and pray with you and make sure you're not going to kill yourself while you're on the road. Right. He he was going to not only help your band, but help you get to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell me about these retreats. I never went to one of them, but tell me about the retreat stuff that he did. Chad would get bands from the label. So in particular, this one, it was Under Oath, Me Without You, The Chariot, and As Cities Burn. And he'd say he it was like a label band bonding type of thing. So go deep, get spiritual, get to know each other, pray together, encourage each other. And then when we're up there, he digressed into this whole confession about all these bad things he'd been doing the whole time he worked at the label. I ended up, um, I think it was the second night of the retreat. And I basically just had everybody gather. There's about 40 of us gathered in, in this room, in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, up in this mountain, beautiful, epic fireplace and all, all the sweet stuff of retreats. And I just said, hey guys, I just want to confess to you that for the last few years, I have dealt severely with pornography in the sense of a daily addiction multiple times a day. I've relapsed into an addiction to marijuana to the point where at Tooth & Nail, I had a drawer of marijuana in a little tin. So I, was, I basically was apologizing for the fact that I was living a, a, a double life, absolutely. And I was on one hand, a really nice guy. I was smiling, I was joyful, I was happy. I probably would have called myself a Christian, but I was hiding drugs from Tooth & Nail. I was hiding drugs from my wife. I was hiding porn from my wife. There was a season early on in the Tooth & Nail journey where I was, Tooth & Nail was basically trying to figure out like where in the world Chad Johnson fit in because I was Take Hold Records guy. So, oh, you sign bands, you put out records, you know how to work with graphic designers and make posters and print CDs and, and uh, do... A, B, and C. So maybe you can do all these other things. So I was, uh, for a season, I was doing like international distribution. So I was going to Europe several, I went to Europe several times, always stopping into Amsterdam because I was like, oh, they have really nice marijuana here. So, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that this would come as a surprise to Jim and Brandon and anybody who's still at Tooth & Nail. So maybe coming out on the podcast, but Brandon, Jim, I love you, sorry. <laughs> I was the guy checking the Fugitive Records P.O. box, which was a little like division of Tooth & Nail at the time that was going to try to go more towards, towards mainstream bands. And I would check the P.O. box. And so I had this brilliant idea to ship weed back to myself from Amsterdam in a CD case, taking the inserts out, replacing it with marijuana, and then taping it all up, putting it in the mail anonymously. So had anyone like Jim, who's just brilliant and uh, would absolutely know, huh, this came from Amsterdam about a week and a half ago. Who do we have that was in Amsterdam a week and a half ago? <laughs> and he'd be like, oh, surprise, surprise. Chad's up to something weird again. Wow. So y'all are sitting there and Chad is telling you guys about drugs and porn and all these things that are going on in his life at the retreat. It's funny because once again, Chad set this whole thing up for 
community, for a relationship, to help guys with whatever they're struggling with or, or wherever they're at with the Lord. And it really did end up being where he took the first step. So he steps out on a limb and just starts confessing all this crazy stuff to where the guys in the other bands were just like, well, if he's that wild, I'll just say something too. And so it ended up being probably a night where everybody was like, hey, once again, I love this guy. Golly, he's awesome. Mm-hmm. He'll say anything. He's doing drugs, being crazy, and at the same time a Christian, he's a lot like me. And so it makes you just feel great to be around this guy, even when you're saying the worst things about yourself. But at the same time, he still did other crazy stuff. (laughs) I remember going to Amsterdam with Brandon and saying like, dude, let's go to the red light district. And he was like, nah, dude, I totally do not feel comfortable with that. And I was the one trying to prompt Brandon into that. And, uh, And I feel really convicted by that now because I actually recognize conviction now and I'm actually walking with Jesus now. But but back then, that, that kind of proves a little bit of where my mind space was. Yeah, so Chad clearly there had a bunch of stuff that he was dealing with and going through there, and he confessed most of that at the come and die retreat that you were at, Aaron? So that all happened at the retreat, and then me and Toby are interviewing him in his garage. Ten years later, there's more stuff that nobody ever even knew about. I would sell under oath vinyl on eBay that was tooth and nail vinyl, and then I would take the money for that. So please forgive me, Brandon, for being an absolute idiot in some of the things I did um, at tooth and nail because they weren't Christ-like. That wasn't who God had called me to be. That wasn't how I should have treated tooth and nail. They were paying me very fairly. They were being really wonderful to me. I wanna do a little caveat here. I have been emailing Chad back and forth, like since we hung out with him, we're we're friends again. You know, I haven't talked to him in a while and now we're just friends again. I told Chad, I said, hey, anything that you don't feel comfortable with, we'll delete. We won't use. And I said, you know, if there's anything crazy, you know, you don't don't worry. And he said, ah, oh, no, everything's fine. I was like, even that stuff about you know, tooth and nail in the records. He's like, no, I've already emailed Jim and Brandon and I've told them the truth. (laughs) Like that, once again, I can't believe it. This guy's like the most innocent, naive, generous, friendly criminal that you could ever meet. It's nothing personal. Chad stumbled into a new job, found himself in a position of power, and somehow led the way in the biggest period of growth in the history of Tooth & Nail Records, despite his moral deficiencies. Under Oath, for instance, had two gold records under their belt. Amberlynn was selling out 2,000 cap rooms, and bands like Me Without You and As Cities Burn were becoming insanely influential and well-respected within the scene. But behind all that was a music business that was rapidly changing and making it more and more difficult each year for bands to succeed. And Chad became convinced that his efforts and skills would not even help the very bands and the people that he cared about. The, the best storyline that has developed out of my life has been that God gave me grace to walk away from not only Tooth & Nail, but from the music world at the time that I did 
in in my own fashion and of my own desire and that I wasn't kicked out of the door. I think that I had another six to 18 months of life at Tooth and Nail without either them coming to me and saying, if you want to stay here, that's cool. We love you, but you need to take a significant deduction in pay or we love you, but sorry, you're just not delivering. I, I just, I lost my passion. I lost my zeal. My email to Brandon and Jim before I quit was basically, I love you, but I have no zeal or no passion for what you're doing. And it's not fair to you or me to continue just pretending that I'll, I'll kind of, and I, I wonder maybe if some of those later bands suffered from the lack of my passion uh, more than anything else. So they could if they wanted to blame me on some levels for just not having invested all of my heart into them because I, my heart wasn't there. I was like, I don't care. I, I just want to know Jesus and I just want to go after him and I just want to become more like him and I don't really care whether or not I sell another record ever in my life. And, um, and so it was like, well, clearly having heard that, you're not a good A&R guy. You should not be selling records for a record label. So it, you know, I think Brandon and Jim said, well, yeah, we've recognized that your passion is dwindling. The, the interesting part about this is all of these things happen pretty quickly. Like he doesn't stay anywhere too long. I think it just goes back to him, his missionary roots and, and being just such a spiritual connected to the spiritual realm kind of person to where all of these things happen really quickly. I mean, he started a label at take hold and blew up and failed within just a few short years. Uh, I mean, he picked all these great bands and then all of a sudden he's out of debt and on Tooth and Nail, working with Tooth and Nail, but that only lasted a few years too and he needed to move on. I think it's one of those things where he gets restless, stays in a place for a while and needs to move to that new thing and that next thing, which led him to kind of start his own label with uh, Come and Live, which was born out of the Come and Live tour and the Come and Die retreat, Aaron, that you were on. But he did this thing where he's like, hey, you know what? I'm not good at money, so what if we don't have to pay for records? <laughs> well, in a way, in a way, that stuff is still advanced as well. It's ahead of the curve on essentially crowdfunding and you right. know, ha- drawing support from your yeah. patrons and that whole movement that's really catching on now. Chad's been doing that for a while with the model of a nonprofit label where the music itself is free. Also freeing him of business obligations. That's what I think is really interesting about Chad because he rarely gives himself credit. And uh, yeah, even quitting his good job at Tooth & Nail to start a label that gives music away for free was ahead of the curve, like you said. Everything he does is always one step ahead of everybody else, but he doesn't even necessarily acknowledge that or give himself credit for it. Yep, this last clip we have of him talking about it, he doesn't even think that he could or has the skills to do what he did at Tooth & Nail again. Yeah. It's all luck to him. And I think it would be foolish to try. Like, even if I went to Brandon and I was like, Brandon, please, like, give me a job, you know, dude, my life is horrible and let me A&R your bands. Like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, please forgive me for all the vinyl I sold on eBay and all the stupid stuff I did. Even if he was like, dude, whatever you want, I'll do it, which he would never do because that's never how Brandon rolled. But even if he said that, I couldn't, I couldn't deliver. There's no way. I'd be like, uh... Okay, like, okay, I'd be like, Aaron, can you guys tell me like where to start? Who are the good bands around? <laughs> I'd be like, hey, on the road, do you guys know any good bands? <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to begin. So where am I now? Uh, well, I'm still sitting in my garage 
uh, eight years later. But in many ways, what I have in the sense of worldly success to show for the last eight years pales in comparison to worldly success I had with Tooth & Nail. But for the last eight years, I've just been growing with Jesus. Okay, so I want to close this episode with a little bit of math. But don't worry, it's, it's fun math. By my count, Chad a and and was involved with around 50 bands. Now, most bands have four or five people. So just like that, we're talking about 200, 250 people that Chad was the A&R guy for. And that's not to speak of what he did when he left Tooth & Nail or his co-workers or other people that he encountered. Just the guys in bands that, as we've learned from this episode that I think you have a glimpse of now, that Chad was their mentor, their brother, their father figure perhaps, somebody that prayed for them, somebody that invested in them personally, deeply, and authentically. Here's the crazy thing about that. These aren't just 250 people. These are 250 public figures that sold combined near 10 million records. So his influence is almost unimaginable, uncalculatable at least. And my favorite part about it is that he achieved it in large part due to his quirky personality and because people found him to be trustworthy, which he achieved by explaining to them directly just how untrustworthy he is by exposing and owning his flaws because he's authentic and transparent and real. And in an era where people are less that than ever, especially in the music business, there is so many fake people and fake things this guy cuts through, and he always did, and he's influenced other people, myself included, and many other people I know to do the same. And I hope that just by spending 45 minutes with him on this episode, he's influenced you too. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host and producer of the show, Matt Carter, along with Toby Morell and Aaron Lunsford. This show is edited by Melanie Studley and Billy Power and mixed by Brett Baird. Thanks to our assistant producers, Reva Hansen and Marshall Fremuth, and special thanks to Adam Scatula from Tooth & Nail for helping to develop the show. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And if you want to hear more about what Chad Johnson's been up to lately, might I suggest you go listen to mine and Toby's other podcast, The Bad Christian Podcast, badchristian.com, episode number 272 with Chad Johnson. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. And the, just to give you a little heads up, the next one is going to feature the enigmatic front man of Me Without You, Aaron Weiss, who's the subject of many rumors in know himself. And we'll get to the bottom of it. See you in two weeks. Make sure you tell a friend and leave us a review on iTunes. Listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, JabberjawMedia.com. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest 
to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts, and new episodes come out every Monday. Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food, so come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app.